All right, what's up, everybody? Episode 199 of Living Off the Land. I'm your host, Dan, here with Steven, Twitterless Steve, as uh, everybody loves to call him on social media. What's going on, Steve? It's Tuesday night, and you know what that means. That's right. It is Tuesday. It is 2-22-22 tonight. How about that? It's 2 2 2 2 2. That's right. And uh, I'm going to be honest with you. We. Uh, we open the episode, as always, with a crack of a beer can. I am very scared to drink this tonight. What I no, legit, he told me this before we went on the air. I am I am so scared. Why are you scared? You've never been scared before when doing the beer of the week. I don't, not that I can remember. <laughs> so uh, so I, I shout out Max Beverage uh, in Parma, on, on, uh, not Pearl, Ridge Road. Uh, that's where I always get the beer of the week. Uh, mainly because it's the closest uh, uh, beer store, uh, liquor store, uh, to my house, our studio. So I go in there last week, actually, and got the beer of the week, which was Hop Juju from Fatheads. I saw it. I had to get it. That's how it always is with uh, Hop Juju. And uh, got to talking with the with the gentleman who was um, working, the, uh, working the register, and he noticed it was an Imperial IPA, so he asked, you know, my IPA guy, said, it's an acquired taste, but yes, now I am. And uh, he he told me to go back to the uh, the uh, cooler and uh, check out uh, this quadruple IPA. Now, if you guys know anything about me, it took me a while to get into IPAs. I've I've never had a quadruple IPA in my life. I didn't even know they existed. I don't even know what makes it a quadruple IPA. I'm going to be honest with you. I so no this idea. is the most IPA of all the IPAs. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> that I've had. Okay. I don't know if there's anything above this, but uh, he he uh, he directed me to it, and uh, I didn't get it last week, but I decided to go in and get it this week. And uh, this is not a Cleveland brewery. This is not a, a brewery that's in the United States. Hmm. We are drinking a Canadian brew. Oh, Canada. <laughs> I knew I could count on you for that. Uh, Flying Monkeys Craft Brewery in uh, Bear, Canada. B-A-R-R-E. Is that how you pronounce that? Yes. Bear, Canada. Uh, this is a orange creamsicle quadruple IPA called Space Age Sunshine. And the description on it is just says extra strong beer with natural flavors. I'll read the uh, the blurb here as we get into it. Quadruple dry hopping and nostalgic creamsicle energy continue the historic victory of Sparkle Puff, warming the galactic void with 11.6% ABV vanilla bolts of belly-warming light, still defending the universe with the power of craft brewing. Wow. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. How about that? Uh, so this is... Brewed in Canada by Flying Monkeys of Barrie. Actually, it's B-A-R-R-I-E. Barrie. Barrie, uh, Ontario, Canada. Imported, though, from Canada by Esber, Brev- Esber Beverage Company, which is in Canton, Ohio. Okay. So there is a little bit of a Northeast Ohio 
uh, tie-in with this. So it is imported by a beverage company in Canton. Shout um, out Canton, where I ended up on lift duty two weeks ago. Right oh, yeah. But, That's yeah. the first time I've ever been down in Stark County. Nice foreshadowing. We're actually going to talk about your lift, uh, your lifting uh, mm. later in the episode. Okay. Let me just read a little bit about Flying Monkeys. We've obviously never had this on, on the podcast. Just a little blurb about them. Uh, they are leading the Ontario craft beer revolution since 2004, brewing radical beers and creative ales right on the waterfront of downtown Barrie. The Flying Monkeys was the first Ontario craft brewery to truly usher in a new culture of craft brewing in our province. Always believing that normal is weird, we treat brewing as an art and are proud to be part of the culture of craft brewing, uniting folks from all over Ontario, Canada, and the world. Uh, these guys started uh, as home brewers in a dorm room, in a garage, in a basement, in the kitchen. We all started as beer hackers brewing for cheapness, utility, and curiosity. Flying Monkeys founders, uh, Peter, uh, I apologize for butchering this. I don't. He's obviously probably not listening to this anyway. But Peter Chiodo learned home brewing as a little boy in Gramps Etobicoke basement. Hmm. Probably not saying that right. Mining this skill as a broke university student in Alabama. Oh. And an even broker grad student in Mississippi, Peter honed his talents <laughs> and learned to respect the creativity of the world of craft beer. So, I'll just say this, and, and you can see the can on our Instagram page. Uh, I'll be posting it later. The can is insane. The artwork is crazy. Literally. It is crazy. So... Um, yeah, let's uh, let's tuck into this uh, quadruple orange creamsicle IPA. I mean, if you're talking about bunny rabbits uh, shooting lasers out of their eyes, I mean that's just very vivid. And how's the beer? Oh my, that is unlike anything I've ever tasted before. Oh, I mean that holy. I mean, wow! You ha- you cannot drink this fast. <laughs> just can't. Holy smokes! Wow, that is pungent. Uh, I get a little bit of the orange. I don't. I don't really get a lot of creamsicle notes. Um, for for a light looking beer and an IPA, it's weirdly heavy. Hmm. Okay. I don't know how else to describe it? It's heavy. Um. It's a quadruple IPA. You would expect it to be heavy. It's true. You want to smell it? Uh, yeah. You don't have to try it if yeah, you want to, but you can smell it. it. Oh, yeah. That you is smell very a bit. pungent for sure. Yeah, you can smell a little bit of the orange in there. I don't get very much like creamsicle vibes, um, but it's not bad. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to get through the whole can in this episode because, my goodness, it's a it's a tall it's a tall but it's a 16 ounce uh, can. Um, wow. That is interesting. Not bad. I will say I don't know if I would get this. It's a quadruple IPA. I mean, this is like... 11.6% alcohol by volume. Yeah. I mean, this is... This This will... You, I don't care how good your tolerance is. I, I'll even say you get through one of these, and you're floating a little bit. Mm. You you drink two of these, you're probably asleep on your couch. <laughs> <laughs> this is wow. I you know, I'm at a loss for words with this. Hmm. Is it the best beer I've had? No. A, a quadruple IPA. I mean like 
Like, there's not a person in the world that if you ask them, hey, what's your favorite type of beer? They're going to say quadruple IPA. Yeah. That's because there's not a lot of them. Right. Um, this is a niche market for sure. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Sure you don't want to try it? Oh, man. Oh, God, he's sliding in my way. Oh, jeez. Just a little sip? Oh, no. Just a little sip? Nah. No? no? All right. Um. Yeah, I'll say that, that, and this isn't me saying that it's bad. It's just like, wow, quadruple IPA, holy smokes! Um, I don't know if I would, I don't know if I would get this again. I uh, I love uh, opening myself up to new things, so that's why I wanted to get this. And the can is just, I mean, you can't not just like stop and stare at it by looking at the can. And like I said, you can see on our Instagram page uh, what the can looks like. But uh, wow, yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm admiring the space rabbits and the flying creamsicles on the can. It's, yeah. It's just, it's in the rainbows. It's really um, vivid. Yeah. It was $5 for the can, by the way. $5? Whoa. Oh, yeah. All $5. right. Well, I mean, like, this this will probably, like, if I were to drink this, like, at a normal pace, I would probably be pretty well buzzed. Yeah. I would hope so. Uh, so $5 to get yourself buzzed, really, in the in the grand scheme of things, isn't that much. Yeah. Um, man, I'm struggling with this because again, I I don't dislike it, but it's just like this is this is a beer unlike anything I've ever had before. Um, wow. I'm gonna go seven point one. Seven point one. Seven point one. I it's just it's just it's not my style of beer. Mm. It's just not my style. It's the reason why I have it there. I think it's a quality beer. It's a quality product. It's just, you know, sorry uh, to our to our neighbors up up north, um, for not giving this a higher grade. It's just not my style, but I wanted to try it. Uh, the the gentleman at Max uh, gave me the recommendation, so I wanted to uh, go off of his recommendation, and um, you know, I don't uh, I don't regret getting it. It's just, hmm, interesting. So. That is beer of the week. Uh, I would suggest if you're an IPA person and you're a little bit adventurous, I would suggest maybe trying this. You know, just one time. It's one can. It's not like you're buying a six pack. It's one can. I think you can buy a six pack of this, but uh, they had them uh, sing- single cans at uh, the at the Max Beverage. So I would definitely suggest uh, giving this a try. Um, I feel like I was a little bit wishy washy on the review, but. Uh, I just truly didn't know. Boy, wow! I'm still like, let me take another drink. Let me take another sip. Yeah. Boy. Whew. I am the second sip. I got a little more of the orange creamsicle. Interesting. That is very interesting. Well, anyway, that is beer of the week this week. So. Uh, if you're so inclined, go out and get yourself a Space Age Sunshine Orange Creamsicle Quadruple IPA from Canada, the Flying Monkeys. And with that, let's move on to the new segment that is sweeping the nation and the world since we're international with our beer this week. Mm-hmm. Let's get to know another place around Cleveland with uh, Tortillas Steve. You better know a neighborhood. All right, so adventure is the theme here uh, from Beer of the Week, and now for Better Know a Neighborhood. Um, to recap, of course, we've got four neighborhoods on our map already covered, Cam's Corners, Asia Town, uh, 
last week was Collinwood, and the week before that was Old Brooklyn. So today, again, with February still being Black History Month, we are staying on the east side. And I got to tell you, this neighborhood is a little bit of an enigma. It's it's one that um, is is also, much like the beer, is, is kind of hard to describe and kind of hard to rate on the whole. The neighborhood we are going to tonight it lies between Asia Town and University Circle. It is the neighborhood of Huff. So this neighborhood, Spell that. H-U-O-G-H. Ah. Some call it Ho, but that's uh, not technically correct. Huff. Um, that's yeah. kind of, well, it's kind of like uh, uh, in BG. I, I used to live on a street that was C-L-O-U-H-C-L-O-G-H. Yes. And uh, it's actually Clef Street. Clef. But we always called it Clo or Clow. Right. But it's Clef Street. Yeah, if you know how to pronounce that, you know you're a real BG. Or if you, it, somebody pronounces it. Like what you just named, you know, Close Street. You know that they're not anywhere from BG, and they don't go to school there. But anyway, this neighborhood, uh, if you talk about the geography here, uh, is bordered on the north by Superior Avenue, on in the west by East 55th Street, in the south by Euclid Avenue, and on in the east by East 105th Street. Um, so the front end of it, you know, by East 55th, I'm just going to kind of go east going from uh, west to east through this through this neighborhood tonight. But first, I'm going to start with the residential area. Now, in all the neighborhoods we've done so far, the residential areas are kind of similar, uniform all throughout. Well, in this neighborhood, it is decidedly not. You have hmm. got some streets and some blocks inside Huff, again, inside East 55th, East 105th, um, Superior and Euclid going north-south, that literally look like they are in the suburbs. They look like they they could be in Solon or Hudson or Menor or Strongsville or Westlake. They're that nice. There are some houses there that are selling for over $200,000. And then there are some blocks where you just wonder what in the world happened here, where there's abandoned buildings, there's empty lots, there's just um, trash and other, you know, uh, metal pieces just kind of strewn across the block. It's it's really just one of those things, you know. It, it just makes you wonder, like, what was the history here? Um, and, and if you think about it, this used to be a really big nexus of uh, not only economic activity but also sporting activity in mm-hmm. Cleveland. And I'm going to start at the corner of East 66th and Lexington Avenue, League Park, the oh, original yes. home of the Cleveland Indians. Is located here. They the spiders uh, back then. It originally was the spiders, yeah. actually. Thank uh, God we're not back to that. In 1893, which is when League Park opened, uh, and you know the, the spiders eventually, well, they were in the old National League, and then after the spiders folded, when the American League started in 1901, that's when the Indians, which were then called the Naps, mm-hmm. uh, started, mm-hmm. and they were actually called the Naps from 1903 to 1915 when they officially became the Indians in honor of uh, one of the first Native American players in, in the in the major leagues, Louis Sokalexis, uh, which is a name that uh, lasted 106 years until 2021 when the team was uh, renamed the Guardians. So at League Park, you also you have a baseball heritage museum at the— uh, basically just behind the home plate area. And then the rest of the park has been completely redesigned, uh, redeveloped, with the exception of the stands. The stands obviously aren't there, but uh, mm-hmm. but 
The city of Cleveland uses it for all sorts of recreation events, uh, most notably baseball. And uh, a lot of community events happen there. The Fatima Family Center is actually right across the street, across Lexington Avenue, which is uh, also used for a lot of community events, as is the Fannie Mae Lewis Community Park, which is just beyond the left field fence at League Park. So you kind of just got that whole little block there, and it's kind of a nice little area. Immediately to the south, just two blocks of there, is a real hidden gem within Huff, the Chateau Huff Vineyards and Winery. This is a— Really? And yes. This is an actual wine. You know, we don't do Wine of the Week on, on LTL. You know, we do Beer of the Week. But if there's we did only, Wine of the Week, we would almost certainly be featuring some of the wines. There's only one wine here. that gets drank in this household, and it's my family's wine. Ah, well— <laughs> Anyway, Chateau Huff Vineyards and Winery is a 4.8 star winery that is that was actually featured by MSNBC last year. Interesting. Yes. Um, um, you know, I just saw the review where they, they mentioned who was actually, I think her name was, oh, man. Yeah, and all sorts of varieties of wine. They have a, they have a top-notch cellar there. Uh, it's it's pretty small. It's only like one city block, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the little they have a little vineyard there where you can actually walk through where the where they have the grapes. I mean, they don't produce a lot of their stuff actually there, but um, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not sure where exactly their main growing fields are, but um, you can you can buy these wines uh, right on site. Uh, Joy Reed of MSNBC actually gave a uh, gave a live uh, I don't know if it was a live show or if it was a segment on her show. Uh, this this happened actually just uh, just a couple of years ago. It was in two thousand two thousand twenty actually. Hmm. So they have uh, they have events. They have wine tastings there every so often, and uh, evidently their sweet red crimson is a real uh, top seller there. Very interesting. So yeah, this uh, this is at sixteen fifty East sixty sixth Street, just two blocks south of League Park Chateau Huff Vineyard and Winery. As you go a little bit further to the east through this neighborhood, you have another nexus of activity between East 84th Street and East 89th, right around uh, Thurgood Marshall High School. Uh, the African American Museum of Cleveland is actually just to the south of the Thurgood Marshall campus. Uh, that's a little community center kind of thing. It's not like a really highly regarded museum uh, in terms of size, but a lot of the exhibits are stuff uh, on various historical figures uh, in the African-American community and in Cleveland's history. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, people like Carl Stokes, the first black mayor of Cleveland, um, obviously Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, other really uh, prominent figures of the era. And uh, this this place is rated 4.3 stars on Google. It's at 1765 Crawford Road in Cleveland, again, right between East 84th and East 86th Street. And right now, I believe this place is actually closed at the moment. They're actually in the process of renovation, but uh, this is something that they should be they should be done with uh, by sometime in the spring. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe they're expanding. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm going to have to read up more on it. But uh, that's the African American Museum of Cleveland uh, is a place to check out. And then just across the Thurgood Marshall High School campus is the Village Family Farms Farmer's Market, mm. which is a okay. – um, place where they it's like a community garden but they also have um vendors who come in um from the country and they sell their food items that's actually particularly important here because there's aside there is a dave's market at the uh trying to think here that's at the corner of east 66th and euclid 
kind of on the fringes of the neighborhood, but this uh, up by East 89th, it's a couple miles out. I mean, you don't really have any grocery stores up in that area. That kind of leads until you get over to East 105th Street. So it's kind of an important thing for people to get fresh produce uh, every week during the warmer times of the season. Um, a real problem in a lot of Cleveland's neighborhoods are what they call food deserts, where you know companies like Giant Eagle or uh, Meyer or Heinen's, where they just feel like a, the the market's just not right for their business, and they don't want to locate themselves there for one reason or another, uh, either because of crime or otherwise. So having a, a community farmers market like this uh, for you know almost two thirds out of the year. Really, really important to to a, a neighborhood's fabric. Uh, this farmer's market is 4.5 star rated on Google and is, again, 1662 Crawford Road in Cleveland, just down the street from the African American Heritage Museum. As you get to the far eastern edge of this neighborhood, that's when you start to hit Rockefeller Park, mm -hmm. uh, the major park area that goes along uh, MLK Boulevard. Uh, this is where you see a lot of your uh, community and uh, cultural heritage gardens for the various countries as you kind of go from I-90 down toward University Circle. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's an area that 30,000, 40,000 cars pass through on a daily basis, uh, right. transiting between I-90 and, and the uh, the University Circle area. Um, so if you've ever been to that area, that's just, a, that's just a great place to hang out, especially in the warmer times of the season. Um, and then at the far southern end, that's when you start to hit the Cleveland Clinic main campus. Um, gotta gotta mention that uh, the Cleveland Clinic main campus, of course, is is massive. Goes all the way from East Eighty Fourth Street all the way to East Hundred and Fifth. It's like its own city. Yeah, it really is. I mean, it's like it's essentially it's like the Vatican inside of Italy. Like uh, the Cleveland Clinic is inside of Cleveland. Almost. More uh, more or less, I think that's a really good example, actually. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we'll cover Cleveland Clinic main campus more when we do Fairfax neighborhood later on because a little bit more of it lies in Fairfax. But, uh, you know, again, I, and I'll just, I'll just finish up again with, with talking about the residential areas just a little bit more. I just can't believe just, just going from street to street. It's literally just from block to block sometimes. You know, you go from really, really nice areas to all of a sudden just not nice areas at yeah. all. And there are organizations within Cleveland, there are private investors, there are um, people who work at Cleveland Clinic and, and UH. I thought this was going to happen years and years ago. It's finally starting to happen that some of these people who work at Cleveland Clinic and UH are sick of having to travel out to the suburbs, truck out to the suburbs every night, and are now starting to buy up some of these properties and some commercial investments starting to happen here too. So I think what's going to happen in the near term is that you're going to see this become more of a, almost like a more medical-based community mm -hmm. um, as Cleveland Clinic and UH start to in exert their influence a little bit more. And it, it's going to be, I think eventually you're going to see some high-rises start to go up in this area. Yeah. Uh, like you see in, in the, um, the uptown district of University Circle. I think it's going to start to spread into this area. I think, frankly racism was a main reason why this didn't happen sooner and with gentrification it it already happened in detroit shoreway and in tremont well not so much tremont but ohio city and now it's only a matter of time before it starts to take place here especially because you have some blocks that aren't so nice right now that have a lot of um they're close to nice blocks that the real estate is really cheap so i think you can see private investors taking advantage of that 
especially as the west and near south side get more developed. Mm-hmm. So this is a neighborhood with if if all the neighborhoods in Cleveland were a stock, this is the one I'd be buying. Yeah, that I think will appreciate the most within the next decade. Hmm. I really do. Interesting. So yeah. that is Huff neighborhood. That's the fifth neighborhood we have covered, and. You can put it on the board. Yes. yes. Number five. So a little bit more of an east, eastern uh, part of Cleveland type flavor the last uh, uh, couple weeks. It's one of the things that uh, I regret that we haven't done on LOTL very much is cover the east side of Cleveland just because like and in in all the eastern suburbs and all that. It's just like you're not close to it. None of us have lived there. Right. Or, like, you know, frequent around there. So, like, I don't know, like, anytime I go to the east side, I have to use my navigation to figure out where I'm going. Yeah. Like, around here, I don't really need to do that. No. I mean, you're just, you're in it more often. You're familiar with the territory. And full (laughs) disclosure, I don't think I'd ever set foot in Huff before I, you know, started dating a certain somebody back in 2014, 15. You know, it's... Then that that could probably be applied for most of Cleveland's east side neighborhoods. In mm-hmm. fact, at the time, back in, in, you know, you go back seven years, that area pretty much like east of East 30th Street and um, west of East 105th, I mean, I used to literally call it the exclusion zone. It's hmm. just like I, I, I had no reason to go there. I didn't hear any good stories about it. I just heard all about crime and all this. And so I was like, you know what? There's just no reason. It was like, you know, because when you have nuclear accidents and you have fallout like Chernobyl and Fukushima, literally the zone that you they won't allow people to go into, they call it the exclusion zone. That's kind of how I treated parts mm-hmm. of the east side of Cleveland. Right. But, you know, as, as I've evolved and grown as a person, you know, it's you see these areas and you just you see what's really going on and you see the potential in them it's 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 great yeah you cannot have like all the the really posh suburban areas of cleveland the west lakes the strongsvilles the beechwoods uh the menors they all depend on a strong urban core ultimately if you don't have a good urban core the outlying areas are going to suffer too eventually mm-hmm. and the fact that Cleveland and some of these neighborhoods, like Ohio City, like Tremont, that's where it started. Mm-hmm. Now it's spread to, to Detroit Shoreway. It's spread. It's starting to eke its way even to places like Huff and Glenville. You know, which you know years ago, like people wouldn't even wouldn't even set foot in Glenville because there was right. it was an area that was just overrun by gang violence. Even it's starting to turn around now. Yeah. So you know we'll cover Glenville in detail in, in a future episode, but uh, you know. It's it's a good time in 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 the CLE, and I'm not going to get political on this podcast, but I'll just say that you know, we do not get political with the on this way, podcast. Since I'm really big into meteorology, I'll just point out that our future is going to be pretty good. There's going to be other parts of the country that are that are going to struggle in the future with the way the planet is going to change, and Cleveland is going to be one of the cities that is going to be very very well suited to pick up on that. Interesting, yeah, yeah. interesting. Okay, so that's uh, this week's Better Know a Neighborhood on LOTL 199. Uh, so that is that. So uh, definitely wanted to cover the uh, All-Star Game uh, festivities from this weekend. I thought Cleveland hit it out of the park once again. You know, it just seems like we do so well. You know, Cleveland always, and this is more of like a, uh, 
90s, early 2000s um, way of thinking. You know, everybody outside of Cleveland always, you know, we got the we got the term mistake by the lake. And that was originally uh, termed because of sports relevance. You know, like Cleveland sports teams would always lose. They would always be terrible, blah, 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 blah. Was it really that? Or was it the river fire? Well, I think... Because we didn't have such a bad sporting history back in the 50s and 60s. Yeah. Maybe Blue you're right. Fire was in what, seven? I just, I always hear, I always hear it referred to our sports teams, you know, growing up and being so into sports. That's why I always, you know, it was always the, especially when they came back in 99, it was always uh, the mistake by the lake, blah, blah, blah. And the stadium being right on the lake and all that. Um, so, yeah, you're probably right. Sort of went hand in hand, though, because once the River Fire happened, like, mm-hmm. we went through a period where all of our teams were struggling in the 70s and, yeah. especially in the 70s. In the 80s, the, <laughs> the, the Browns came up and, Browns know, they, and then, they the, and then the, the late the late version of the decade, the Cavaliers were really good. Yeah, when, you know, once you got to the late eighties, early nineties, Indians, know, the Indians sucked came, in the eighties. The Indians were terrible from like nineteen sixty to nineteen ninety two. You know, then yep. they had their run in the nineties finally. But yeah, you had a period of about fifteen years from like nineteen seventy to nineteen eighty five where none of the three teams were doing much of anything. And you had the stigma of the river fire and some of the other things. That's when the the factories actually started to hollow out, and you started to to lose the industrialized power that Cleveland had for so long. Yeah. So mistake by the lake, you know, kind of became a catch all for all of that. Yeah. But anyway, where what I was getting to was, uh, I think the city, and you know, I've read articles about how um, how the city put put a good name for itself uh, with the all-star game. And, and it just seems like we've had the, these run of like big events where the city has just really shined throughout every, and it's, it's, it's so awesome to see because, you know, this is a podcast about Cleveland. We know how good Cleveland is. We know how awesome Cleveland is, especially ha- as we've grown up and the city's kind of had this resurgence, like, you know, ever since I would say 2010, like the last, that's when it really started to accelerate. The last decade or so, um, the the city has really had a resurgence, um, and you know, going back to 2016 when we held the, uh, well, 97 we had the NBA All Star Game, but more recently, 2016 we had the uh, Republican National Convention, um, 2019 we had the MLB All Star Game, we just had the NBA All Star Game. Um, NFL draft. NFL draft was last year. So these big events, and and shout out to uh, David Gilbert of the uh, Greater Cleveland Sports Commission, the the guy that, you know, he he's the point man to to getting these events. Obviously, he has a team, a great team that he works with, but you know, he's the guy that runs the Greater Cleveland Sports Commission. He's he's the main guy that brings these events to the city. And uh, you know, I don't know if we've kind of run the gamut of these big big events. Because I mean, what else can we? What else can we really bring? I mean, you're not you're not gonna bring a pro, pro Bowl here. Super Bowl's not. <laughs> that would be hilarious, though. <laughs> I know. Pro Bowl Pro Bowl's not gonna be held in Cleveland ever, ever. Uh, I don't think we're gonna get a Super Bowl here until we get a new stadium with a dome. Uh, that's not happening. Yeah, obviously. So w- once we have that, then we could legitimately. Get it's it. possible. I, I I would I would I would think we would. Although I guess. He's dreaming. He's sleeping. He's dreaming. Wait. Champ. <laughs> but what, I, what I was going to say was. You know, what, you know what that noise is? He was barking in his sleep. 
Hmm. Probably chasing a deer or chasing a squirrel or something in his dream. Wow. That's, that's literally what he was doing. He's dreaming about. I don't know if you guys can hear that. He's dreaming about a Super Bowl in Cleveland. That's, that's what right. he's dreaming for. That's right. And to be fair, we have had two Super Bowls in fairly recent memory in cities above 38 degrees north latitude, one in New York City and the other in San Francisco. So theoretically, if they wanted to come here, they could, but they're not going to. No, it's not a big enough market for them to make that sacrifice. New York is a big enough market to make that sacrifice. If they wanted to go to Green Bay, they could. But my goodness, never. They would ne- <laughs> never, never. Uh, but anyway, so I, I just thought the All Star, the All Star, uh, you know, following on social media, I didn't get downtown for any of the festivities. Um, <laughs> we were gonna, uh, I was gonna try and go downtown on for Saturday night just to like go to a bar and like experience it. I wasn't even going to the arena for like All Star Saturday night, but uh, <laughs> we supposedly on the way. If if we were to get a, a and you can talk about this more, and I want to get into this. Uh, Ubers were going for like 150 bucks after All Star Saturday night to get out of downtown Cleveland last uh, on Saturday. I and for short trips too. Yeah, for for trips yeah. of like five miles or less. Yeah. So uh, Steve, we haven't talked about uh, since he's joined the podcast. Steve is actually a driver for Lyft. Yes. And or as Casey Truman would say, Lyft. Yeah. Uh, you were out in downtown Cleveland on Saturday night, correct? Yes, I was out actually Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Talk to me about how the experience was. A, did you have any interesting passengers? B, and what was the, if you can tell us, what was the highest lift charge that you drove over the weekend? So probably the most interesting ride I had was, it was a really <laughs> short one. It was just going from a downtown hotel to uh, the Wolstein Center. This was Friday night uh, before the All-Star Celebrity Game. I mm-hmm. actually transported three members of the Harlem Globetrotters. Get out! Yeah. Get the hell out of here! No kidding. Oh, it, my it was, gosh. It was two guys and a female. And, That's awesome. And I, as they were talking, you know, we didn't have a long conversation, do, do, obviously. That's enough. Okay. All right, stuff. Okay. Anyway... As we're going over there, they were talking about a recent show that they did, mm. and they're well. They were talking about other shows too. Where like one where did they the, did they participate in any event? I didn't I didn't think they participated. They did in any not events. participate in any events, they're, but they were, were in town. Yeah. And in one case, they talked about like when the streamers, you know, the confetti that comes out after the, when they win the game, and where it came out too early when there was like a minute left, so they had to like play the rest of the game with confetti on the court. <laughs> Uh, but then more recently they had a show where the game was tied and the plan was that they were supposed to win on an alley-oop at the buzzer. Well, they executed the, the alley-oop was a perfect pass, but the, the guy missed the dunk. So, Oh no. (laughs) So they had to go to overtime and they didn't plan for that. So they just basically completely, you know, and a lot of the, what they do is set up ahead of time uh, with like the tricks and the stunts that they do, uh, much like you know WWE or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, so now they got to play five more minutes, and they had absolutely no script, so they were basically just ad libbing the entire. Oh my god! And my my response to this was, well, thank goodness the game was tied, and they were not losing by one prior to this happening because they would have lost the game. <laughs> But, um, yeah, so 
aside from that, it was a lot of people, um, tons of people from the New York, New Jersey area, which is what you'd expect. The NBA based in Manhattan and Secaucus, New Jersey. But I had a huge amount of people in my car from California. Interesting. Particularly the L.A. area, but there were some from Northern California, too. Um, I wasn't really expecting that. Uh, I don't know if that was just because you had a lot of tourists coming in. Hey, man, who's that cat coming down the street? I don't know, but it's sounds to me like that different man with the bone. He'll have himself a ball. You've never seen these guys. It is great fun and great entertainment. Oh, yeah. So I'm at the Wolstein Center when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. All right, I don't want to get copyright infringement. Yeah. Playing but, too much of that song. But anyway, it was crazy, crazy, crazy busy. Mm-hmm. Um, you you had te- you had texted us that it was essentially like like essentially like like gridlock, like as if you were driving in New York City or L.A. I, in a lot of cases, if you were anywhere on East 9th Street <laughs> or Ontario Street or Prospect or Euclid Avenue, yeah. That is pretty much what it was. Was it, it just it like was a like, bunch? Like, like obviously a ton of cars, but it was also just like people just like walking in the street, just like uh, willy nilly. You know what? There wasn't as much of that because Friday and Saturday. I mean, we needed the TFC truck. I mean, it was it was <laughs> it was really cold and and the wind was howling like that is crazy. A bit, that, that, is a, that is a big inside joke between me, Steve, and our brothers that we are not going to get into. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> I mean, really, I was getting people that were that were taking lift rides that were less than a mile because they just didn't yeah. want to walk. That's, That's something you don't see very often, but it was that brutal. Like the the wind chills were in the single digits on Saturday night. Yeah, jeez, um, crazy. You know what I? You know what I didn't hear a lot of. I actually heard more people bitching and complaining about the weather that live here rather than like people that are were in town from out of town. Just like on social media, or whatever. I think people that were coming in from out of town kind of like expected like hey it's going to be cold they read the weather report and you know right. what as as people see as we alluded to earlier people just have this reputation this thought of cleveland as this snow globe of a city that's just yeah. you know miserable so they expected the worst and they they, they got the worst for the first two yeah. days of the weekend it was the people that were, it was people Sunday. that were from here that i think were like a little bit self-conscious about our, our city hosting such a huge event and being like are you kidding me? It really has to be T, as you said, TFC for yeah. this weekend. It couldn't be like you know, like thirty. You know, we're in a in, we're in a phase right now where the weather is. You know, it usually starts to do this in March and especially April, yeah. but the weather is schizophrenic right now. We, we're supposed, we went to, get, we're from, supposed to get another storm on Friday. Yeah, we went from being Thursday really, really warm Friday. last Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah. Then we we melted the uh, foot of snow melted away, then followed by three inches of rain. I'm sure we had plenty of flooded basements on Thursday night and Friday. Yeah. And then it got super, super cold for Friday, Saturday. Then the last few days, Sunday night, <coughs> Monday, Tuesday, right now outside, it's what time is it right now? It's like nine thirty. It's like fifty-five and, degrees. And it's outside. Fifty-five degrees right now. Yeah. And I got you know, woken up last night at like four in the morning by like torrential downpours. Yeah. Like just bashing the roof of my it's house. Literally doing whatever it wants. Right I know. Now. I know. Uh, and get used to that, folks, because for the next like seven, eight weeks or so, yep. it's gonna be like that. Yep. Yep. My but, my backyard looks like a swamp right now. Oh, yeah. But, anyway. Uh, so. Uh, any other interesting uh, rides that you gave uh, this weekend? Well, the the ride that finished my night on Friday, mm-hmm. or more or less, took me from downtown out to Beachwood. What time was that? 
That was about 1.30 a.m. Oh, jeez. And, well, so it was these two ladies that worked in the NBA's main office in Manhattan. Oh, okay. And they they ended up tipping me 25 bucks. Let's go. Which is only the which is the second largest tip I ever got. Let's go. Um, my ride bonus for that ride was like 30 bucks. Let's go. I made like 70 bucks just driving from downtown to Beachwood. That that was ridiculous. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Saturday I stayed out even later. I was out till about 3:30 a.m. Holy crap. Which is like the latest I've ever been out. That's wild. I mean, it's probably it was probably worth it. Yeah. Now, in that particular case, you know, the traffic flow was not super well handled. I have mm-hmm. to say in most other aspects of All-Star Week, we did a really, really good job. Mm-hmm. Facility management, you know, getting people in and out of the city, blah, blah, blah. But the traffic flow definitely left something to be desired. Mm-hmm. It was not great in those, you know, key choke points I was talking about before. But on Saturday night, they really screwed up. Mm-hmm. So... They have Cleveland. They have a tendency to shut down certain roads leading in and out from the warehouse district and the flats mm-hmm. if it's really, really busy. I've never been able to figure out exactly what they're trying to accomplish. And Saturday night, I I have no idea what they're trying to accomplish. So at midnight, I got called down to the flats for the first time, mm-hmm. and I get down there, and I ended up not going down West Ninth or West Sixth. I knew that was just going to be a non-starter, so right. I ended up going down Lakeside. And then straight underneath the, the bridge that lead well, the road that leads underneath the uh, the shoreway. Yeah. And that got me down there pretty decently. So I get called back there about two thirty in the morning. Mm-hmm. I figure, okay, I'm gonna go do the same thing. And I and I it was I was coming from Ohio City, so I ended up going around like on the shoreway and then turning around on Lakeside. They closed off Lakeside Avenue on wow. West Third. And they had already shut down the the roads leading down the hills from West Ninth on Superior and St. Clair. Yeah. So I have no idea. So literally, they choked it down so much that the only way you could get down the flat, and then, remind you, this was at bar closing, just after bar closing time right, at 2 a.m. Right, right. The only way you could get down to the east bank of the flats was on West Ninth Street. So you You're coming ima- from Ohio City. Yes. So I was... I Couldn't you have gone down... That hill on Columbus, going over that bridge, they and had, going, uh, I forget what that road's called, but yes, the, the, the road, the road that, that leads up toward Odeon and, yeah. and that area. That was a, that's a good thought, but they had that block too. Jeez. They were only allowing one-way traffic out of there. Wow. And that's it's crazy. not like they made it so that both lanes were going that way. Now, that would have made sense. Was traffic, was traffic that. bad that late at night? Terrible. Well, only allowing one way in and out, yeah, probably was terrible. Well, I mean, all the way from you think it, you the think, end of All Star Saturday. You think a lot of it was Ubers and Lyfts? Um, I mean, a lot of it probably was, yes. Uh, but again, just from the end of All Star Saturday all the way through, I mean, I heard stories about people that were out till four thirty, five o'clock because they just oh, could yeah. not get out of there. Yeah, couldn't get out of there. Right? They've really got to figure out a better way to regulate traffic flow between. This would be like from the north end of East 4th Street over toward the warehouse district and into the east bank of the flats because they just made a total mess of it. When the, when it it's also it's the flats, so there's one side in and out. You Like the other side of the flats is the river. So it's like 
you can't just like you can't just like go down one way and drive through and go out the other way. You're you're, you're driving into the river. That's that's true. I mean, you like you say, you have to either go up the hill up West Ninth, or you have to take the the way down past Columbus Avenue along right. the river. Right. Um, and when you shut off one of those, well, yeah, yeah, exactly. So interesting. So what was your uh, what was your mo- most profitable ride? It was of it, the weekend. It was probably the one I mentioned earlier, the one going to Beachwood. But okay. But in terms of distance, yeah. there were probably some just within Cleveland that were probably more than that. Because after midnight on Friday and Saturday, pretty much everybody. So when you look <coughs> at when you look at the Lyft app, right. if the if the map is just regular white, that just that means it's normal. There's no yeah, real there's bonuses no, right. going on. Then there's three colors that it could be if they're giving location bonus mm-hmm. based on demand. One, if, if it's purple, that's like two to three, four bucks. Pink is like five, six, seven dollars. And then if you're getting red, that's when you're looking at 10 bucks and above on any, this is any one ride. Bonus of the ride, yeah. Yes. And on those Friday, are, those Saturday, are the Those are the hundred dollar rides. It's Friday and Saturday night after midnight, they were giving bonuses of over $20. Wow. Which I have never seen before. Literally, that could be, you could be going 20 miles out of the suburbs or you could be yeah. going like around the block. Yeah, and you get the twenty bucks. Now, obviously, I, I would I would probably venture to get. How long have you been driving a Lyft? About a year. I started last February. This is probably the biggest event you've ever. It was yes, because last year during the NFL draft, I had some days where I got like three hundred and north of three hundred fifty dollars in a day. I think three seventy was my previous record. Friday night, I did four hundred fifteen dollars, and Saturday night, I did four hundred eighty seven. Jesus, I need to drive for Lyft. Now, or Uber or whatever. I was out for almost 11 hours. Problem is, I'm not allowed to. I'm, I, I, well, I, from like 4.30 p.m. How much did you say you made? 400 and, four, almost 500. So you made 50 bucks an hour. Just about, yes. Yeah, I mean, you got to pay for your own after gas expenses, and stuff like that. After but, expenses, you know, probably more like 40 bucks, but yeah. Still. I mean, and again, like, you're probably not going to see another weekend like this the rest of the year, but. Uh, no. Still. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, good for you, man. Um, yeah, I need to drive for Lyft. The problem is, is I need to buy a new car if I drive for Lyft because I your, I your car would be perfect if it wasn't a two door. I know, I know. I need to get a new car. The problem is, there's no new cars to buy right now. Yeah, that is supply a real... chain issues. This is probably the first. Well, 2021 was the first year ever where I need to talk to your brother. I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about a Tesla. Oh well, I yeah, get he's, he's the one to talk to. I got Matthew that. on the horn. Shout out Matt Stefano uh, out there in Frisco working for uh, working for our buddy Elon. Twenty twenty one was the first year ever where my car is actually, according to KBB, actually appreciated in value. <laughs> I know that's, that's the not, other thing that's not supposed that's, to happen. That's the other thing. It's like if you're gonna sell your car, you better sell it now. Yeah, exactly. Before this, before this corrects, and, and you know what's gonna happen. This whole supply chain thing is going to correct itself, and then it's going to overcorrect itself, just like it did. You know what's going to happen? Twenty twenty. Yeah, it's like in in uh, maybe not twenty twenty two. We might still be having issues throughout twenty twenty two, but like twenty twenty three, twenty twenty four. There's going to be more cars, and they know what to do with. <laughs> you know what I mean? And right. they're going to be like, oh, yeah, you got twenty sixteen Honda Accord. Yeah, we'll give you a can of tuna for it. You know what I mean? It's it's just it's how it's how these things work. Like, there's a shortage. And then because they're they're gonna they're trying so hard to correct the shortage, there's gonna be a flood of, of inventory. You know, yeah. like 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 my mom my mom is uh, is actually looking to buy a new car right now, 
and she she says that the people at the dealership are like, no, this is never going to fix itself, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Get the hell out of here with that nonsense. But anyway. Yeah, so that's really interesting. The Harlem Globetrotter thing is wild to me. That, that's awesome. That is so cool. You just cool. never know who's going to show up. You know? And it's cool. It's like like you, you do a job like that, and you get these stories that you're able to like tell people. And you know, you're on a podcast now, and how great is it that you have a, now you have a platform to be able to tell these stories? During the MAC tournament last year, I had a guy um, who played basketball for Ohio University who got in my car. He plays for the Angolan national team. Who? Ah, uh, well, he didn't tell me his when name. When did he, when did he play for OU? This was know? this would have been last year. He was a, um, he was a current player for he, OU. He was a current player. Yes. And he, and, oh, okay. Wait, wait a minute. Weren't they supposed to be bubbled last year? All right, we're 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 speaking out of school right now. No. This is we're gonna get the good thing you didn't say his name because we we're gonna get somebody in trouble. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Well, uh, did you? So you were out driving most of the weekend. So I'm guessing you didn't see most of the most of the festivities. I no. I mean, I pretty much from what I could see from the from the news reports and from social media. I mean, I Miles Garrett dunking on all sorts of people. Yeah. Uh, and then and then because of how yeah. like Kev's like, winning the skills challenge and I'm and not kidding. Stuff. That dunk contest was the worst dunk contest I've ever seen in my life. That's what I heard was that the dunk contest was terrible. It was the worst. The worst. There's never been anything worse than that. It, it from the difficulty of the dunks to the fact that nobody could seem to nobody could seem to uh, actually dunk the ball. Like these guys were going like twelve tries to like do a dunk or whatever. Oh, like, that's so boring. Oh, oh, it's terrible. And the thing is, like, they count your attempt if you actually like hit the rim or the ball hit like the ball hits the rim or whatever. So yeah. these guys were like jumping and then like, nope, not doing it. Oh. Okay. It was so terrible. Obi Toppin ended up winning. Congratulations, I guess. But, like, it was terrible. It was so bad. This is where, like... You know, LeBron has never done the dunk contest. I was just going to say I that. I thought that this, to, even though, you know, he's not he's not as... He's still plenty athletic. Don't This isn't me ragging on LeBron. But he's 30, what, 8 years old? <laughs> he's not jumping like he used to. No. But this being in Cleveland, and we're going to get into a little bit uh, the things that he said this weekend, which I think there's act number three of LeBron in Cleveland coming. I think it's coming. I think it's coming after next year when he becomes a free agent. Absolutely. But anyway, um, this would have been the year. The All-Star game being in Cleveland, this would have been the year where he would do the dunk contest. And, you know, he, he would have no idea of knowing beforehand, but – with how absolutely, excuse my language, dog shit that the competition was this year in the dunk contest. Sorry you had to hear that. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's he's used to dog crap all over the place. But anyway, uh, this would have been the year for him to do it because he could have just thrown back one of his you know in-game tomahawk power dunks and probably won the competition. Mm. It was that bad. It was horrible. Wow. And don't get me started on the fact that Kevin Love was not in the three-point competition. Oh, we've talked about that at length. God. Carl Anthony Towns ended up winning that. I think he scored like 29 in one round. He deserved to win. 29 in one round is amazing. Yeah. That's like that's like one away from a perfect score, isn't well, it? Well, so they had they had additional uh, extra uh, – Mountain, extra money balls. Mountain Dew was a sponsor of uh, the three-point competition. So they had like – they had the same amount – I think it's six racks. 
Oh, there's six racks instead of five? No, there's five racks. And then there were two of these, like, green Mountain Dew extra money balls. Okay. So I don't, I don't remember what they were worth, but so I don't know maybe, if they were three. So maybe they were worth three. But but even so, I mean, that's like you, if you get 20. They were, in, they, were, they, were on each, they were on each side of the, uh, the top of the key three-pointer. So they're in between the wing and the top of the key. Okay. So wing, Mountain Dew money ball, top of the key, Mountain Dew money ball, wing. Okay, so in other words, under that scoring, he would have had to have gotten at least 23 normally yeah. and then hit the two extra money balls. Yeah, I can't remember exactly what he hit. 23 is a heck of a good score. I mean, you, yeah. you get that, you, that's usually good enough to win. Yeah, he won. He was really good. And then uh, to get to the uh, the skills competition, how awesome was it that the Cavs won? So great. I mean, Darius Garland put on a show in the in the uh, skills competition. Um, watching Jared Allen shoot threes was hilarious. <laughs> uh, and then Evan Mobley was the one who hit the half-court shot on his first try to win yep, the competition. first go. Yeah, Jared Allen shot the first one, and then he Evan Mobley was the second one. And he, it wasn't that he just made it. He, as we so eloquently say, another inside joke, he foofed it. Yes. It was fantastic. <laughs> um, uh, but anyway, there was that. And then Friday night was the um, All-Star Rising Stars Challenge, which they did such a great job revamping this competition. It was absolutely fantastic. So they turned it into a tournament. Okay. So it wasn't just two teams. It was actually four teams hmm. that they had uh, They had four of the um, NBA 75 legends uh, be captains of the team, and they picked their teams. Okay. So uh, Evan Mobley and Isaac Okoro were on Team Rick Barry. There was also Team James Worthy, uh, Team Isaiah Thomas, and I can't remember the last one. Oh, uh, can't remember the last one. But anyway, uh, Team Barry and Team Isaiah Thomas were in the final. So basically, the semifinal games between the four teams they played to fifty. There was no time. There was no, it was, you know, when you play like pickup rec basketball and you play to 21. Yep. It was essentially that, except they played to 50. Ah. Well, and that's, then the that's a game. The final game, they played, the, the two teams played to 25. 50, 25, 75, the diamond anniversary, NBA 75. It all kind of ties together. So I thought that was absolutely fantastic because number one, there's no time and there's a certain set amount of points that you play to. So, you know, the guys were kind of, you know, joking around, having fun, whatever, until they got to about till, – till the first team got to 40. Then the, inti- the intensity uh, ratcheted up, and I thought it was great. I thought it was fantastic. Teams were actually running sets. Teams were playing defense like it was an actual NBA game. Because you know how – you know how all-star games and all-star festivities have been in the past. Like, you know, these guys don't care. They're laissez-faire. They really don't give a crap about any of this. So, um, you know, there's no de- – uh, what's what's the what's what's the uh, complaint that's always been in the NBA all-star game? Oh, they don't care. They're not playing defense. Who cares? Like, it's just – whatever. It's boring. These guys, once they, got to, once they got to 40, and then in the championship game, once they probably got to about 15 – they were playing defense like they were in an actual M- NBA game earning a paycheck. Hmm. And it was awesome. It Good. was so much fun to watch. And uh, Team Barry ended up winning. That was the Cavs team 
Isaac Okoro, Evan Mobley. Uh, Detroit's Cade Cunningham, the number one pick in the draft, ended up winning the MVP. And uh, it was great. It was it was fantastic. You know, it was Evan Mobley was one of the only big men in the in the pool. So I thought it was really clever of Rick Barry to select him for his team. He was essentially the only big in the entire tournament. So Evan Mobley had like 12 dunks between the two games. So that was really interesting. Hmm. Okay. Um, and then, like we talked about, All-Star Saturday night, uh, we already talked about the uh, skills competition. We talked about uh, how terrible the dunk contest was. All-Star Sunday night. You know, first I want to get into what LeBron said. <laughs> I don't know if you saw this. So LeBron was asked. So LeBron drafted Darius Garland to his team, Team LeBron. Jared Allen was an injury replacement for James Harden. Yes. Was also on Team LeBron. So the two Cavs players were on Team LeBron. So LeBron is at his post-game or his pre-game media availability, and he said, you know, some, I can't remember who it was, but somebody asked him uh, how cool it was that the Cavs, you know, they're, they're doing this rebuild post him, post LeBron, and how it's really been – like, it's really been, especially this year, it's been, like, ratcheted up a level. Like, the Cavs were not supposed to be good this year, but they are. They're really good. So LeBron was asked, how cool was it that the Cavs had not one, but two NBA All-Stars in Cleveland for the All-Star game? And uh, LeBron LeBron said, uh, you know, he, 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 he complimented the city. He said the city deserves this moment. The city deserves this platform. Uh, all that, and then he talked about how Darius Garland 100% deserved to be on the All-Star team, and then he said, you know, so did big fella Jared Allen, and he said, you know, they actually have a third All-Star, and then he paused, <laughs> and he's like, me, and I was like, that's very interesting, because it's not true, I mean, he plays for the Los Angeles Lakers, he does not play for the Cavs, but in a sense... You know, LeBron was also asked this. He was asked, you know, when he goes into the Hall of Fame, what team is he going to go in as? Now, that's not even up for debate. Well, but the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame, they don't do that. It's not like the Baseball Hall of Fame. You don't hmm. go in with a certain team. He's going to go in as a member of the Cavs, the Heat, the Lakers. Okay. And whatever, and 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 whoever he ends up playing for, you know, whoever ends up drafting Bronny, because LeBron's going to go play his last year in his career with, with whoever drafts uh, Bronny James. Right. Because from here on out, LeBron's signing one-year contracts. He's not going to be tied down to any team, because wherever Bronny James gets drafted, LeBron's going to go as a free agent. So, and he said that this weekend. But yeah. I thought I thought it was really interesting for him to say that, that, you know, Cleveland has a third all-star, and it's him. Not ha ha LeBron, hilarious, funny, you know, tug at the heartstrings of Cavs fans. It's not true, but whatever. Uh when is his contract up? After next year. He has one more year with the Lakers. So the 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 thought process is uh Bronny James doesn't get to the NBA most likely for two more years. He's a junior this year, so next year he'll be a senior in high school and then he has to play one year minimum either in college. In either college or G League or something, whatever. Yeah. So um, the thought process is LeBron's going to come back to Cleveland for one year after with the Lakers, and then he's going to go play when Bronny gets drafted with whoever drafts Bronny. Now, hopefully, 
the Cavs can figure out a way to get Bronny James. But whatever, that's down the road. So I thought it was interesting. And then the uh, the introductions, the player introductions I thought were fantastic. Draymond Green, who, who was in the All-Star game but didn't play because he's injured, uh, he got booed everywhere he went. That's <laughs> all freaking hilarious. Booed everywhere he went. Every member of the Warriors had that happen this weekend. Well, what's interesting is I'm getting to the game. So uh, Steph Curry got booed in player introductions. He got booed. Um, Him and Aisha were actually, like, talking in front of the crowd one of the, at one point in the weekend because I saw it on Instagram. Yeah, I think it was also and, Saturday night. And <laughs> you so, could tell Aisha was getting flustered yeah. and, and Steph was just kind of well, laughing. Well, what was interesting was, so uh, Steph Curry got booed, and I'll get into what was interesting about that. Obviously, Darius Garland and Jared Allen got enormous ovations from the Cavs crowd. And then LeBron got the biggest ovation of the night. And that guy was soaking in every single second of that ovation. Go, go, go on, uh, you know, we're done with this. Go on social media and um, watch when LeBron gets in- introduced. You can tell that that guy, you know, the tumultuous past that we have with this guy. And obviously all was made right when he came back and he won us the championship. You can tell that all of that throughout his entire career, all of that, everything just poured out of him at this All-Star game. He looked so happy to be back in Cleveland for this All-Star game, for to be announced as one of the seven, obviously he's one of the 75 greatest players of all time. He's t- 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 top three. But to be announced at halftime is one of the, one of the top 75 players of all time to just get the ovation, get the love, get the adulation. You can tell that it's just it's just something different. You know, he went to Miami, he won two titles. He that's that's the that's the franchise where he's won the most titles. He went to Los Angeles after he won the championship with uh, Cleveland, but he won that title. It was the bubble title. And yeah, it's going to go down as a championship, but it's not the same. He won it in front of no fans and all that. What he did for Cleveland, that championship you know, Brian Windhorst uh, says it all the time when he goes on, when he talks about it. He said that championship it ages like fine wine. The farther you get out from that championship, the more incredible it gets. From the circumstance of how it was won, coming, down from, coming back from 3-1 against the greatest regular season team of all time, winning that championship for the city of Cleveland, a city that had not at that point won a championship for 52 years, Basically fulfilling his destiny. You know, he was the one that was drafted by the Cavs, and what he said was he was going to light the light like Cleveland up like Vegas. He was the one that didn't win the championship in the first seven years of his uh, career, and I'm not going to put all that blame on him because I don't think the organization helped him um, as much as they could or should have to win a championship before he left in 2010. But he's the guy that left in 2010. He's the guy that was seen as the pariah. Then he's the guy that came back and – uh, wanted to right the wrongs. He's the guy, you know, I'm coming home, I'm coming home, tell the world I'm coming home. Came back. He's the guy that won the championship in 2016 along with, you know, the shot with Kyrie Irving and the defense that was played by Kevin Love on Steph Curry late in that game seven. Coming back from 3-1, you know, he's the guy that did that. He's the guy that then left again because he wanted to go to Los Angeles because of other – you know, he wanted, obviously wanted to win a championship with the Lakers. He wanted to win another championship to, you know – bolster his legacy but 
the argument can be made that he went to L.A. for other reasons other than basketball. His business is outside of basketball because he wants to become a he wants to become the second ever NBA player to become a billionaire. He wants to eventually own his own NBA franchise. He wants to do these things, and he thought he had to do that to go out to L.A. to get the business deals and all that to, for, to do that. Right now, he's talking about pull, all pulling it all full circle, coming back again. He told uh, Jason Lloyd of the Athletic, he says he does not rule out coming back to Cleveland again, and I think the biggest reason. Because of that, is that this Cavalier team is showing that not only are they good this year, but they are here to stay. And LeBron, when he comes back, is going to be, if he comes back, is going to be 39, 40 years old. This isn't going to be a situation where LeBron is playing 38 minutes a night, averaging 30 points and all that, carrying a franchise. He's looking for a franchise that he can not necessarily ride the coattails on, but that he can join and that he's not going to be the guy that's going to be counted on to do everything. Right. And you look at this team, Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, uh, Jared Allen, Kevin Love is still under contract. I don't know how much longer he's going to be here, but he's under contract through next year. I don't, you know, whatever. I'm not sure. But Isaac Okoro is a young developing player. Uh, we just traded for Karis LeVert. More than likely, we're probably going to try and sign him long-term. You know, maybe Colin Sexton comes back next year. Who knows? This team, if you put LeBron, if you put if you were to put drop LeBron onto the Cavs roster right now, they've got to be a top one or two favorite to win the NBA championship. championship. I mean LeBron is thirty eight years old. He's still averaging thirty points a game. Yeah. I mean, the guy is not slowing down. Maybe his athleticism is slowing down a little bit, but this guy is finding ways. You know, he's one of the smartest and he could potentially, given his trajectory and how he's managed to avoid these like really big injuries throughout yeah. most of his career, he could be the Tom Brady of the NBA, and he could he could play in his, his worst 40s. injury ever was a badly pulled quad, uh, badly pulled groin muscle he did in the in his first year with LA where he missed like a month. Yeah, I mean, other than that, the occasional ankle turn where he's missed a couple games here and there, he's really not missed much time other than. You know the whole the whole NBA epidemic the last few years with the uh, with the quote unquote load management, yeah, which the NBA basically told NBA teams that you're not doing that anymore. I mean, maybe call that a little bit of luck, but at the same time, this guy takes care of his body and trains harder than anyone. Yeah, I mean, it's just when you're that committed. I mean, it it, it really helps. Yeah. So all that to say, I think he's coming back. No disagreement here. Now, here's the question, and we'll end on this. I had plans to talk about uh, the Browns a little bit with the Jarvis Landry stuff that came out today in social media, but um, we can save that for next week. Supposedly, I, I saw that uh, Jarvis Landry and his representation are going to meet with the Browns next week at the NFL Combine, so we might have more clarity on that situation next week, so we'll leave that for next week, uh, our 200th episode, by the way, which uh, we're planning something pretty special if it, if it all comes to fruition oh yeah um so the what are your thoughts on the potential of lebron coming back again are you for it are you against it oh, there's, are you ambivalent there's no way i could possibly be against it i mean the, the guy has meant so much to the franchise to the city 
the team has been almost universally good whenever he's been here. I mean, we haven't won the championship every year, obviously, but you know, we've been in it. You know, we talk about the championship. Played for the Cavs. 20- played for the Cavs for eleven years. Five NBA Finals. One NBA championship. We talked about the championship in twenty sixteen. The Cavaliers would have probably gone back to back had it not been for Kelly Olynyk pulling Kevin Love's arm out of the socket in the first round of the twenty fifteen playoffs. What an a hole. That year still haunts me more than any other year. Complete a hole. Except for the possible exception of two thousand nine, where I feel like the Cavaliers also had the best team and Orlando that, just that was, had that was the a year crazy that was the year we got robbed of out. that was the year we got robbed of Kobe versus LeBron in the finals yeah and and that was just another pisser yeah. honestly but anyway when you look at again when you look at the Cavaliers current roster and all these young really really good players like Darius Garland Jared Allen mm-hmm. Evan Mobley Colin Sexton assuming he comes back mm-hmm. uh What's and even missing? some of the other glue guys like Ricky Rubio, assuming he comes back, and Kevin Love. Rubio's not coming back. It's just like oh, he might. He drop, might. You Ru- drop LeBron on there, and you've got you know Karis LeVert. I didn't even mention his name yet. You know, you've just got endless possibilities, and then you got Coach Bickerstaff, who you know very well could be Coach of the Year this year. Uh, oh, without a doubt. I mean, unless the Cavaliers absolutely Kobe nosedive. Altman, executive of the year. Yeah, unless so they, unless the you, Cavaliers absolutely nosedive in the second half of the year. You yeah, those, have that's really happening. got a core, not just in players, but also in coaching and also mm-hmm. at the executive level mm-hmm. that are performing as good as they ever have. By the way, how crazy is that, uh, talking about how Kobe Altman could win executive of the year this year? We were talking He's about the fact that he was going to fire. In my opinion. We were talking about the fact that he was going to get fired. Yeah. And deservedly so, because he was terrible prior Crazy. to this year. But like as we've documented so many times in this podcast, just about everything he's done yeah. in the last twelve months has just come. He's up got the Midas touch this year. You know? So it's crazy. Um what do yeah. you what do you think about the people who are on social media that are saying I we don't I don't want we don't want LeBron back because A, uh, we want to win without him. And B, we think if he comes back, he's gonna screw up the chemistry of the team. Okay, so the people who just want to win without him. That's ego talking, mm-hmm. and you need to understand something. Winning is the objective. Yeah. Okay. Listen. It's great to be listen. the star. It's great to be one of the key performers. Blah, blah blah. In whatever organization you're in, but ultimately, team success is what matters the most. Yeah. Listen. Nobody. Nobody is going to. It. Nobody is going to care whether LeBron is on the team or not if you win another championship. Nobody's going to care. Who cares? Nobody. It counts the same. One or the other. And another thing. Why? What's with the whole, oh, I want to win without him? He is one of us. This isn't some guy that we just, that was, you know, he's one of the greatest basketball players of all time that we drafted randomly because we had the number one pick. This guy grew up 30 minutes to the south, southeast in Akron, Ohio. Less than 30 miles from where we sit right now. Why? why I don't understand. I don't understand that thinking. The only thing, the only thing that I can understand is People saying, and this it's just people who don't understand like the situation. People people, people think that the only way we can get LeBron back is if we trade for him. And if we trade for him, we're going to have to give up a lot of the young core that we've developed. That I can understand. The problem is, number one, LeBron's not going to want to come to Cleveland via trade because he's incredibly smart. He knows that his best opportunity to win is is if he joins that existing core, not comes in and the existing core goes out the door to Los Angeles by him coming in. Right, it's not going to He's work not going to get way. traded. No. Number 1, and the Cavs aren't going to trade for him. 
No. This is all going to be free. Every single time LeBron has left an organization and gone towards another one, it's been free agency. Now, the first one technically was called a sign-and-trade because the Cavs wanted to quietly get some assets back for LeBron when he left in 2010. So it was a sign-and-trade. But he was leaving as a free agent, whether or not right, whether or they not agreed that happened that. or not. Yeah. Yes. So when, And when he left Miami to come back to Cleveland, it was a free agent. When he left Cleveland to go to L.A., free agent. LeBron's, LeBron's not stupid. When he goes to a team, he wants to go to a team and get inserted to whatever they already had, not go to the team that has to trade their entire stockpile of draft picks and young players, young promising players, in order to get him. So that's not happening. The price of that is we're going to have to wait an additional year because he's under contract with the Lakers for one more year. Right. So uh, I fully believe that LeBron James is going to be a member of the Cleveland Cavaliers in 2023, 100%. 100%. And I think that the Cavaliers, you know, a lot can change, obviously, in a year and a half uh, with the landscape of the NBA and all that. But if you put LeBron James in a year and a half, if he's anywhere near where he is right now, they're the favorite to win the NBA championship. I don't think you can dispute that. Another I mean, year and a, another year and a half of development with Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, and Jared Allen? I mean, I know that Phoenix has a good core of guys. Phoenix, very good. I know that Milwaukee but in two again, year- is very good. But in two years, Chris Paul's probably not playing anymore. Probably. Yeah, and of course the Warriors, you know, are still the Warriors. But like who knows you know, in two years. Again, two years from now down the road, will Milwaukee and Golden State and Phoenix still be as good as they are now? You know, maybe Memphis, which is a team on the rise, maybe, Memphis they'll, is maybe awesome. they'll be one Memphis of the, the awesome teams to, to really watch. look out for. Yeah. You know, might Miami or Chicago still be, you know, near the top of the you yeah. know, those are more younger core teams. I mean, a ton can happen in a year and a yeah. half. So, I mean, we don't know. But, again, going back to your original question was w- reasons to not like want LeBron back because you want to win without him. We've we've kind of debunked that. The part about will he mess up the team chemistry, we've de- basically given the reasons for why that's unlikely. Mm-hmm. I got to go back to 2018 because I think that there is a third reason that people don't want LeBron back. Mm. It has nothing at all to do with basketball. Mm-hmm. During 2018, I w- when the Cavaliers fan base was getting a little bit jaded, and you know, the we were like, "Oh, are we really going to the finals again? The playoffs? It's just so long. It's just so exhausting." And a lot of late nights on these games, and mm-hmm. you know, I guess that was getting under people's skin. But another thing, there was another small sub—I don't even know if it was small. It's actually kind of sizable subset of the Cavaliers franchise was starting to dislike LeBron for political reasons. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think that that subset of the fan base still doesn't want him back largely for those reasons. Interesting. And I'm not going to go too far into discussing that, but I I, I still think that that's, that's a thing, unfortunately. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with you. And I think people, and people are, are just going to have to get well, over that, and they're going to have to subdivide politics from sports. Well, and I think people are masking that by saying, by, by saying the, the first thing we talked about was, oh, I want to win it without him. Like, we have this young, growing, young core, blah, 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 blah. I want to win it without him. I could, think there they're could masking be some code that. going on yeah, with yeah, that. Yes. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, but I, I, I thought that was a major storyline given where the All-Star game was this weekend um, with LeBron. And obviously you said you didn't really see much of the All-Star game. Steph Curry scored 50 points in the All-Star game. Yeah, he was pretty incredible. He hit 16 threes by himself. He was like 16 of 22 from three. 
guys, the best shooter ever. But what was great about the NBA All-Star Game, and I love this format. So, Oh, yeah, we want to talk about the end because the end was The end was awesome. fantastic. So the format, they did this to honor Kobe, uh, but they've done this with different numbers uh, in the last couple years. So they play the first three quarters. They play 12 minutes a quarter like a normal game. Yep. End of the third quarter, the team that's winning, you they added 24 points to their score, and that was the target to win the game. To win so, the game, it's what they call the Elam ending. Yeah. So they uh, the team – I can't remember if it was Team Durant or Team LeBron. I think it was Team Durant. They ended the third quarter with 139 points. So the target score was 163 because they added 24, Kobe's yep. number, to honor mm-hmm. Kobe. And uh, what was great about that was, again, there's no time. It's just a target score. So the last 15 points of the game, everybody's playing defense. They were running sets on offense. They were going to matchups on offense and defense. They were subs- they were substituting based off of matchups. It wasn't just like, okay, you guys go in. You- oh, you haven't played much yet? Okay, go in there. Or anything like that. They Team LeBron kept Nikola Jokic, the reigning MVP of the NBA, on the bench and put Jared Allen in because they knew that Team Durant was going to play through uh, Joel Embiid. And they thought that Jared Allen would be a better defender on Joel Embiid than Nikola Jokic, which ended up proving to be true because Jared Allen played a hell of a – Played hella defense on uh, Joel Embiid in that final stretch. Blocked him a couple times. Uh, stood his ground. Like, there was actually defense being played. And it was awesome. And then LeBron hits the game-winning turnaround jump shot uh, in true LeBron fashion in Cleveland uh, to win the All-Star game. So, it was awesome. The added benefit to the Elam ending is that you don't have lots of timeouts and you don't have lots of fouling and free throws at the end of the game. Right. Right. Yeah. There's there's no incentive to <laughs> There's no incentive to foul. At all, none. none, none, none. Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's interesting. Maybe the NBA should look at that. No, I, you know, I gotta tell you, I don't know if that. I don't think they would. Yeah, it seems like a radical change, but it would really... obviously that would have to be collectively bargained and all that. But, uh, but anyway, I thought I thought All Star Weekend was fantastic. I thought it was great. You know, we 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 didn't even get to talk about the celebrities and everything that was going on. Uh, you know, you had Guy Fieri, uh, celebrity bartending at a social club in Cleveland. Um, Did an episode of uh, D&D. Triple D? Uh, yeah, Triple D. Yeah. Um, and, and countless others. Um, you know, Shaq uh, did a DJ set at Barley House. Charles Barkley was there. Um, Does he still think Cleveland is terrible? No, he never did, really. <laughs> he's always he's always supported Cleveland. Always. Hmm. Um, so, anyway... Um. Yeah, I thought I thought it was great. I thought it was fantastic. So, um, that that pretty much puts a bow on uh, All Star Weekend in Cleveland, and that's probably going to put a bow on this episode because we are at an hour and twenty minutes Indeed. right now. Yeah. So, another good one in the books. Uh, we are working on some stuff for episode two hundred. Uh, next week, uh, might not come out on uh, on the same days it normally does, but uh, we will notify you guys and let you guys know on social media. So. Uh, appreciate it. You can follow us on social media at the LOTL podcast. And uh, anything else you got, Steve? Just don't miss next week, guys. It is going to be. Well, it's not officially confirmed yet, but yeah. I've... Episode 200. Well, no matter what, episode 200 is going to be lit. So, <laughs> as the kids say, lit. 
All right, appreciate it. Uh, for Steve, I'm Dan. You've been listening to Living Off the Land, episode 199. And uh, we'll catch you guys next week. See ya. Bye.